found out that that's uh, a song. I also found out it's a book. So, man, I'm challenging you to be a Daniel today, okay? I did that earlier, and I was just going, wow, i got to change that. Uh, but, hey, teenagers, I'm talking about them today. Dwayne said, do your best, okay? I've raised two teenagers, so I kind of know what I'm talking about, and I work with teenagers a lot. And uh, teenagers are tough. They're changing so much with society, it's ridiculous. It's a lot different than when we were in school, okay? It's a lot different than when we were growing up, okay? And uh, it, it's a challenge to have teenagers today. It's a challenge to motivate teenagers to do the right thing. And uh, we got a couple of exceptional teenagers. You see Tad up here today, praying. That's awesome. I'm always in trying to encourage these guys to take leadership roles. Howie's going to come up and read my scripture today. Not Howie, Hunter. Everybody's got me calling him Howie. I don't know if you know it, but uh, we were singing, Oh, Howie Loves You and Me. Howie comes up to us and goes, Who's Howie? <laughs> so that, that's his uh, new name, Howie. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of, of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and liter literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some, some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Balthazar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official to, for permission to not to defy himself in this way. Now God has caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of you, the, the young men who eat the royal food. And, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine, and they were to they drank um, water and vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, 
The, ch the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Thank you. Let's give uh, Hunter a round of applause. That was a long picture. Guys, Dwayne gave me the option. He said, hey, you can pick any scripture you want. That's, just, that's your topic. Just teenagers and any top or any place in scripture you want to go. So I was really freaking out. I was just going, oh, man. Why don't you just give me a scripture and let me just dissect it and do all this stuff to it? You know what I mean? But God threw me into the Old Testament. We've been studying the Old Testament in vacation Bible school all this week. And uh, the Old Testament was just right there. And uh, Daniel came to my mind. Daniel was a great young man. And I don't know if we know a lot about him, but we wouldn't have the book of Daniel without the first chapter of Daniel. Okay? And that's when he was young. And he was about 15, 16, 17 years old, somewhere around there. And he got uh, captured. Jehoiakim came in and captured Jerusalem. Okay? And he says, I'm going to take some of the prized things of Jerusalem back with me. And he says he took the temple things out of the temple, you know, the valuable stuff, and he put it in his God's temple. And he worshipped Baal and uh, Babylon. And uh, he took some prized young men. He took four. And, uh, man, that's where our story starts today. But uh, I want you to understand three basic things I'm talking about today are how to raise a teenager. And they apply to us as adults, too, today. Because we get hit with this society we live in, this culture we live in, to not trust God, okay? To turn to our own ways and trust ourselves instead of God, okay? Here's your first thing. First point, trust God when your world is falling apart. All right? I don't know if you've read the news or you've seen the news lately, but this world is falling apart. This world is going Bonkers, okay? It's just going out the window. I read that the state of Illinois has passed some new laws. We approved gambling. Hot dog, you know what I mean? We're going to have all kinds of money coming in. Now we've got gambling coming in. More casinos. Take advantage of our poor people, all right? We just got that going, all right? And then we turn around and legalize marijuana. Wow, okay, we got another one. Then we got the gas tax, too, you know. Don't get me started, okay? That, that's another one. We're just going to run more businesses out. But, hey, this world's going berserk. But you see, the first two things I mentioned speak against godly principles. Wow, we live in a state that stands against godly principles. The other one's abortion. Hey, in Illinois, abortion's great. I don't know if you all know it, but we support abortion in Illinois. Isn't that great? Missouri got rid of it. Illinois got it. So we're, we're doing, we're batting a thousand here, okay? But you see, our world is going berserk, all right? Our world is falling apart, and we're trying to raise kids, teenagers, to go up against this stuff, to be a light to shine in this place. Just like Daniel. I want you to see a few things. Daniel was a Jewish boy. 
Let me give you a little background on the Jewish boy. A Jewish boy in the temple would learn God's rules, God's laws. You're going, okay, you learned the Ten Commandments. Well, hold on here. It was a little bit more strenuous than just the Ten Commandments. You ever read Deuteronomy, Leviticus? They knew all that stuff. Stuff we want to skip right over. They had to know all of that. Let me give you a little bit about uh, Deuteronomy here. What I found out in a couple of great scriptures as parents that we need to really cling on to. Uh, in Deuteronomy here. Uh, see, I took a lot of notes, man, I'm telling you. Ah, Deuteronomy 4.9, it says, Only be careful to watch yourself closely so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart. As long as you live, teach them to your children and to their children after them. So what did the Lord do? We learned in vacation Bible school, God parted the Red Sea. They walked across on dry land. We like to sing that song. But that was a great miracle. That's how big our God is. He can do that. They wandered in the desert. Their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Parents all say, praise the Lord, right? I mean, I bought a lot of shoes, all right? So uh, you, you got that going on here in Deuteronomy, but it says, keep telling, keep reminding your kids how awesome your God is. Why? Because we have a tendency to forget. The Passover, what's all that about, okay? Deuteronomy 11, 1, 16, 18 through 21, it says, Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his uh, decrees, his laws, and his commands always. Be careful to, uh, that you will not be enticed or torn away and worship other gods, bowing down to them. Fix these words of mine on your heart in minds, tie them as a symbol on your forehead, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the doorpost of your home and on the gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give you by your forefathers, as long as they they keep these that, I can't read them, as long as these days in heaven are above the earth, okay? What he's telling us is, don't forget. Teach these things to our kids. Do it the best you can, okay? Wow. So you see Daniel, his world is falling apart. He's got this crisis coming. He's going, where does my trust lie? Is my trust going to lie in my security and what I know about Jerusalem? Wow, it's all falling apart. It's just like China coming in here and taking, taking us out. We wouldn't be the USAA anymore. Your kids wouldn't have the freedoms that they have today to listen to their own music, to do their own thing. We might even have uniforms. Who knows? When we're uh, impressed by China, you've got to do what they want you to do, right? Right? All right. Daniel didn't have Jerusalem anymore, but his parents instilled in him the value of following God and knowing who God is. Okay? So he trusted God. 
A lot of times when the world falls apart, we go, where is God? Right? I got Tom Seipel. You guys know who he is? This week was a bad week for him. He had to uh, go into his doctor like usual, but they missed a little spot on his lung. This thing's like two centimeters by three centimeters on his lung now. And this medicine that he was getting was working. But now it's attacking his thyroid. So he's going to have to take a different type of medicine. And they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do about this spot on his lung. But man, this guy's been tore up. Tore up. Because he wants to get back to Nicaragua and do the thing God called him to do. But God's got him going through a test. Got him going through a world falling apart to make him a better person, to trust him more. I think God has these things in our life so we can see where our trust lies, where we can see what we really believe and be able to teach that to other people when our world is falling apart. So, trust God when your world's falling apart. There's a challenging thing in history. Can you... uh, it's the biggest trial we ever face is can we trust God? A lot of times kids, they, they don't ever know if they can really trust God because they've never put foot in that situation. A lot of times we rely on our moms and dads to tell us what we believe. And guys, believe it or not, we're trying to train you guys to be independent. We're trying to cha- train you guys to be a human being, an adult one day, where you're going to have to train your kids And it's important for you to find out who's in control. Is it the Lord God we trust? Or is it ourselves? So we need to figure out who we trust. And it's a a lot tied to our environment and where we spend our time. Second is the greatest temptation is compromise. You might go, Brent, where'd you get that? Well, when they were taken over, the king said... Ha! I got it now. I took their precious things, I took in their kids, and I could train these kids to become exactly what I want them to be. So he took these four young kids. He changed their names from godly Hebrew names to pagan gods' names. He took these kids and put them in an environment where they didn't know all about Hebrews in the church. But you want them to learn all about the Babylonian culture, how to talk Babylonian, okay? They knew, knew the language. They were going to get involved in that. But they were going to take over these kids and change them to be exactly like the environment they were put in, okay? And the best of all, the king goes, hey, I'm important. These kids are important to me. I'm going to give them food off the king's table, all right? So, compromise. Here you go. Daniel was raised a young Jewish boy. They have a very kosher diet. By kosher diet, I mean they don't eat pork. Okay? They don't eat meat that's been sacrificed to altars, to false gods. Okay? They eat fruit. They eat vegetables. They eat seeds. They eat that type of stuff. When I went to Jerusalem, it was an eye-opening experience for me. Because I figured, well... I ought to be able to find something I can eat that I like. You know what I mean? It came Sunday and, baby, everything shut down in the hotel. There was no buffet that day. I'm going, wow, this is weird. This is just nuts. But these people take it seriously. 
Do we take it that seriously? Do we take that commitment to serve God and to do the things that we do? I know it's just food, folks. It's not going to send you to hell, right? But little decisions. He was trained to be a young Jewish boy. He was supposed to make God-honoring decisions. And he was put in the place of not having the food that he wanted. To compromise. To do the wrong thing. Guys, how many times do we get in those situations and we go, hey, that's no big deal. I'll gloss over that. But it is a big deal. God takes little things and he wants to see how you respond to those. Because those little things show him how you're going to respond to the bigger things in life. Right? To much is given, much is expected. All his parables in the New Testament start off with little things. Five talents, three talents, two talents, one talent, okay? It's how you spend those talents and what you do with those things that shows God that you trust him. It shows God that you're not going to compromise. That you're not going to compromise on his principles. Okay? So there is a thing about being God-honoring. But there is a reward to not compromise. But here's the deal. Our culture has got us so brainwashed, it goes, hey, the world's not that bad. You can go right along with the world. In John, 1 John 2, 15 and 17, it warns us not to be a part of the world, but be in the world, okay? All right? You, can, you know the difference, right? Don't act like the world, but be in the world. Make a difference, okay? That's what we tell our kids. Make a difference. Be different. Here's the other thing. Ephesians 6. We're at war. There's principalities around here that we can't even see here this morning that are warring against doing the right thing. Or warring against us from witnessing, from doing what God would have us to do, okay? Would you believe that? Ephesians 6 tells us that, right? He gives us his armor to protect us, right? We all know that verse in Ephesians 6. Daniel wasn't persecuted or tortured to do these things. That's the interesting thing I want to point out. He wasn't tortured to do these things, to compromise. He was seduced and enticed. Wow. What does our TV do? It entices us. It's a boob tube, man. It entices you to do the wrong thing, to see the wrong thing, and to think it's all right. What's our music do? Some of our music in our culture today. Not Christian music, but our other music. Man, it entices us to do the wrong thing, to live the wrong way. Okay? The world is trying to make it okay to put God last. But your word of God here is telling you to put God first. Honor him. Honor him. Matthew 6, 31, 33 says, Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Wow, there's principles, guys. There's godly principles that come from his word and knowing his word and applying it and teaching it to our kids. We've got to do that. We've not got to be lax about it. It does make a difference. You see it in Daniel's life. You see this in all the book of Daniel. You see God being there in the midst of a crisis, but he allows Daniel to go through these hard things. 
One of the hard things he didn't compromise on was the food he ate off the king's table. Daniel got honor with the guy that was giving him the food. He says, hey, let's do a little test. Hey, just to pique your curiosity, let's really see if the king's food's all that great, okay? All right? He didn't do it in that way, but I'm just adding just a little bit to the text here, okay? He's wanting to do a test. He says, you feed us this stuff, the water, the fruit, the vegetables, and at the end of 10 days, you'll see if we look physically fit. Man, God honored that. God allowed him to have that test. And at the end of 10 days, guys, they found out these four Jewish boys looked pretty darn fit. They were good. And he said, hey, you can continue on in your food. You can continue on doing what you're doing. That's good. I won't lose my head. That's pretty big, okay? This guy was that much in tune to what the kings wanted that he would lose his head if something happened to these boys. But we have to take a stand. The world doesn't try to entice you guys. It tries to make us too busy. Would you buy that? It does. I kept thinking, the world does entice me just a little bit, but it tries to make me too busy. Or my first excuse is, man, I can't afford to spend that much time in the Bible. I can't afford to do all that stuff with my kids. Because it's not reaping the benefit for me. I'm too busy. Guys, you know it's all a choice, right? You don't have to do the things that you do. It's a choice you make to do the things that you do. It's a choice that you make to be too busy. Wow, those are hard words to take because I've kept myself in those situations. Okay? We have got to make it a priority to do the right thing. To do the things that we know are right in God's word, okay? Put him first and to take a stand. Here it is. When we do that, Danny went through three things. He went through... Uh, Through the temptation of compromise. And then he had to decide what is truth. Guys, philosophers for years have been trying to figure out what truth is. Do you want to know what the truth is? It's right here. Black and white. You can read it today. The problem is, we don't care. We don't really want that to be the truth. Because what this Bible says is we're sinners. What this Bible says is we're not capable of doing anything right. We have to have a Savior. That's Christ the Lord. That's the truth. Okay? What your world does is give you relativism. It's a big word, I know. But relativism is saying, hey, something's right for me and wrong for you. Like, it's cold outside. Or Tracy just said, it's hot in here. I could say, well, it's cold in here, okay? She could have a, a coat on or something. That makes it relative for her, okay? But, hey, there are some things in the Bible that are absolute truths. And this world can't dispute it, even though it wants to. I mentioned abortion. What's God's word say about abortion? What's God's word say about abortion, people? It's wrong. 
Thou shalt not kill. But yet, we can do that in the name of convenience. We can take that young life. But if I go out here and run over a mom in a car or just walking on the sidewalk, guess what? I get two accounts of killing somebody. I killed the baby and I killed the mom. Wow, how, how, what's different about that? What makes that different in that situation than the other? You see how we've kind of slurred the line, enticed you to care less about what God's word says and more about what we think? Guys, God's word's black and white. Take it and read it. Apply it to your kids. Apply it to your family because that's what they're going to need to get through this world. Amen? Know that. This world could say something's okay, but it's not if it doesn't match up with this book. Okay? The other thing this world tells you is there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. Do you know that? There's a lot of ways. You got Buddha. You got uh, the Muslim faith. You got all these people. You got Jehovah's Witness out here. You got all this. But, hey, which one's right? What's your Bible say? John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. When Jesus died on the cross, Pilate asked, what's truth? And Jesus told him, that's the reason I came. I came to die on that cross and to make a way. That is the truth. Pilate even asked, that's the truth, guys. It's here black and white. I don't care what you think, what other thing's going on. The devil's going to try everything he can to get you on the wrong path. But God's given his love letter to you right here where it tells you what's right. Apply it to your life. Know it. Okay? Yeah, it is hard. I just can't wave a wand this morning and make you expert parents in raising teenagers. It's tough. I ain't got any hair left, okay? And I just raised two, okay? But it is tough. You got to make decisions that don't make you popular. That don't make you your kid's friend, okay? Hey, God took Daniel out of his comfort zone. He put him in a foreign land. And he wanted to see how Daniel was going to react. Our kids go to school every day. Here's the problem. They go to school and they talk amongst their friends. And you all know this. It's called peer pressure. That kid might be something that he's not at home. But when he gets around these kids, he becomes totally something else. Because it's the peer pressure. They won't take a stand and do what's right. Because I'm around my peers. Have you ever had that instance, Mom, when you dropped them off at school and they didn't want to give you a kiss? Hey, it's peer pressure. They don't want to see him kiss your mom. You know, that's going to be, ooh, no, man, that's nuts. Have you ever seen him come up and give you a hug in public? That's tough, too. What we're doing is training kids 
what they're going to be when they get older. Okay? And it's getting a lot harder, folks. A lot harder. So I want you to dare to take the Daniel challenge. Say it does matter. I am going to stand. I am going to make this change in my life. I am going to put God's word first. I'm going to put him first. I'm going to make sure that my kids are doing the same. Oh, let me tell you. I was going to have Kim to get up here and share this. She loved Bible drills. She just comes up and says, Mom and Dad, can I do Bible drills? Can I do it? No, she didn't. Trent will be the first one to tell you he didn't do it either. But Dad got convicted. I got kids all around this church, and it breaks my heart for them not to be able to find the books of the Bible. It breaks my heart, folks. All week long, I've asked the kids how many books are in the Bible. That's our roadmap, 66. All week long, I've asked them how many books are in the Old Testament, 39. All this week, I've asked them how many are in the New Testament, 27. Just knowing your basics about the Bible, God's Word. This is a sword. This is your lifeline. This is what you're going to fend off the devil and his ways right here. It's the truth. Wrong cannot stand against this truth. It's absolute truth. Amen? Tracy said something yesterday. We were in Cape Girardeau. Happy anniversary, babe. Today is our anniversary. I told Joanna I won't be preaching on my anniversary. That's not fair for her. But, uh, hey, I took her out Saturday. We went to Cape Girardeau. Spared no expense. We went to Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> well, we got to Texas Roadhouse. Guess what? There was a huge rainbow that I almost missed. I was coming out of Lifeway store. They had everything clearance, man. I mean, we got baptismal robes now. I got like 10 of them, okay? They were like 20 bucks, but hey. But there is a great big rainbow in the sky. I go into me, that speaks God's promise. That speaks God is still alive today. He's still on his throne today. He gives me a promise he's never going to flood this world again, okay? It's God's promise. And he can flood this place. But he chooses not to because he gave us his promise. Tracy said, isn't that a shame how they took that symbol away from us? Man. Is that true? That does mean gay pride, doesn't it? Wow. What are we as Christians doing about that? What are we teaching our kids? When the school's bucking the system. You might say they're not bucking the system, Brent. They're just giving equality. I want to tell you, I'm a bigot. I'm intolerant. I'm doing it in love. Every year I go down to New Orleans. I love on people. I love them into God's word. But I ain't got to stand for it. I got to teach my daughter. I got to teach my son. I got to teach these young people what's right and what's wrong. It's not because Brent says so. The Bible says so. 
Amen. This book has been taken out. Prayer has been taken out of our schools. Where's the problem at, guys? Right here. We're not standing up. Do it in the right way. I'm not telling you to go down there and be bully. But teach this to your kids. Just like I did. I didn't stand up on a block out in front here and teach it to my kids. I did it privately. I did it at my home. They know where dad stands. They know what's right. But they have an opportunity to make that choice now. Because I didn't accept what the world was feeding me. Amen? Amen. You might not want me as a youth pastor anymore after this one, but hey. But the identity crisis. They want to change what you believe. They want to change your identity. They changed his name. They changed his language. They changed what he learned. They changed what, where he lived. They changed his address. They changed everything. But did Daniel serve God? Yes, he did. Identity crisis. Wherever you go, people ought to know that you're a Christ follower. Guys, I've been so bold to take this to my next level and making sure I don't forget is my email address. I'll probably get all kinds of emails now. It's brentchristfollower at gmail.com. I want this world to know I'm a Christ follower. I want me never to forget I'm a Christ follower. Whatever I post on my internet, whatever I do, I got to know that I'm a Christ follower. I should act differently than what the world does. I should have love and compassion one for another. Because, not because I want to, it's because he said that's the way I need to act. I was getting the title for this message, A Challenge to Be a Daniel. I said, it was there to be Daniel? And I was going, batting around, WWDD. What would Daniel do? <laughs> okay. But that's where it's at. Identity crisis. Hey, his name meant God is judge. He changed all these names and tried to make them fit into their culture. Because he knew if he could get these young people to change, he'd have it made. That's really where the battle is now, guys. The battle's for our young people. Because if they don't make a decision to follow Christ by the age of 18, 19, it's going to be pretty grim for them making the decision to follow Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. I ain't saying God can't do it, but I'm just saying statistic-wise. That's the reason it's important for you Sunday school teachers to know when you're in your kids' children's area, teach the gospel. Live it out. These kids are watching. They can spot a phony anywhere. They can spot somebody that's not living what they're supposed to be living. They can spot it out. And it goes against what you're saying with your mouth. My favorite thing is I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'm trying to live it out day by day. Is it hard? Yes, it is. Is it going to stop me? No, it's not. One of these days I look forward to being arrested for preaching the gospel. It's going to happen, folks. It's going to happen. If I continue to live by this word right here, the world's going to get so 
fed up with me, they're going to try to get rid of me. I'm still copying God's word, and I'm in Acts, and I'm amazed at all the stuff the new church went through, and where they put themselves on the line and says, hey, this is true, you guys are believing the false, and I'm going to put my life down for it. And they became lampposts in the street. Do you believe what God's telling you? Do you believe God saved you for a purpose? And that's to tell other people that Jesus loves them and there is a real God and he is the real truth. Amen? Okay, what's the truth? Identity crisis. One more. Moral crisis. What you going to be when your mom and dad aren't around? What you going to be when you eat in church? I tell the kids, they all act real good in church. They do real good. But how are you going to act Monday through Saturday? There are all those times when you get ready to send your kid off to college. Yeah, it's a little nerve-biting, you know. It's a little bit how financial crisis here. Uh, wow, what are these kids going to turn out like? What are they going to do? Uh, are they going to go off the deep end or what? But it's ultimately their decision. You've instilled in them all you can instill in them. And eventually they're going to have to make their own choices. And parents, it's tough. But it can also be a blessing. The Bible says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full, has many kids. And they can all be trained in the gospel. And they can bring joy to you. They can, but they can also bring a lot of heartache when they don't choose the right way. Just like we do, just like that video we all laughed about. They can, because we love them so much. We want to see them do the right. God loves you so much not to let you run loose. He's going to have something come back around to get your attention. But he'll only do it so long. Moral crisis. Who are you going to be when your parents aren't around? When you get all kinds of opportunity. You know how easy it would have been for Daniel to go, Wow, this food is awesome, man. I've never had pork before. Bacon, baby, it's the best. I can live this way the rest of my life. This is awesome. This wine stuff ain't bad. It gives me a little buzz in the head, but this ain't bad. He didn't even try it, folks. Because he knew where he stood. He knew who he was. He knew how to honor God. And that's the whole thing in a nutshell. The way you live ought to honor God. You ought to please God more than man himself. Amen? God gave you the abilities that you have. God made you just perfect. You have to figure out what that purpose is. The only way you're going to figure that purpose out and be totally content in life is knowing God's word. Figuring out where that is. He came, up, he came to give you a purpose and a plan. Right here it is. Daniel knew that. His purpose was to honor God at any cost. And buddy, he had to pay the cost. Jumping ahead a little bit, they had the lines then. Remember what Daniel did? He got down on his knees every day in the window. Prayed his God. And they said, if anybody prays besides the king, I'm going to throw him in the lion's den. God was there for Daniel. God was there to honor him. Honor his way that he thought. 
he closed those mouths of those lions. But guys, before he did that, he had to make a decision. Was he going to honor God with what he ate? Is he going to honor God by what he takes in? The moral choices. They're big. Like I said, our state just legalized marijuana. Man, I think that's the dumbest thing we could ever have done. You could be totally against me, but unless a doctor prescribes it, you probably don't need it. Because there is so much abuse out there. The opioid crisis, man, we got people out there that are hooked on those things. They can't get off. Once they get on the merry-go-round, they're stuck. It's tearing society up. But here's the thing, folks. Don't start it. Don't take the first little nip. Know what you believe and be who you are. Don't get involved with it. It solves a lot of problems. Yeah, they'll call you weird. They'll call you a chicken. They'll call you everything. The kids... When they pass that bottle around when you're out here in the, wherever you go, in the fields or whatever, they ask you to take a hit on a joint, it's what you do with it. Who are you going to be? Is it wrong? You make that decision. God's word, what's it say? You make that decision. You're going to have to give, give a testimony for what you did. Triumph. Here's the last T, triumph. There's no feeling like making the right decision. Has anybody ever been in there when you made the right decision? Raise your hand. Let me see it. Testify. There's no feeling like that. Because when you did something right, and when God showed up and he's blessed your efforts, there's nothing like it. It's triumph. It's a great feeling. You see, Daniel was so honored by God, he gave him visions, he gave him understanding, he gave him all this stuff. He was smarter than all the magicians in the kingdom. And the king could tell he was that smart. And he wasn't even born in that kingdom. He learned all that. God blessed him. Wow. Hey, guys, to triumph, it's going to be a hard decision. You're going to have to take peer pressure on. You're going to have to take all this stuff on. But you're going to have to make the right choice. And it's the little things that will make the difference. Let me give you this example. It's a pretty funny one. It's about a rat. Rats are pretty dumb. Their brain's a little small. We use them all the time for tests and stuff. But this rat had the understanding that he could eat steel cables. What this rat did is start eating his steel cable because he thought, man, this is great. I'm going to start eating this cable. I have no idea why rats want to do that, but this one did. He started eating the steel cable. Each day he ate just a little bit more and a little bit more. His teeth were hurting and he couldn't figure out why. And finally, he started seeing blood on the cable. He's going, oh, man, I'm hurting that cable. I'm going to keep going. And he kept chewing and chewing and chewing on that cable, and finally he died. You know why? That cable killed him, because the rat just can't eat that big steel cable like that. Okay? Each time we make the little things, thinking like we're going to do something that's going to be awesome, hey, it's in God's power. It's in God. Okay? It's not about whether I can or not. It's those choices you make every day that are going to affect your life. 
That didn't come out well. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Hey, hard decision, be humble. You know Daniel didn't flaunt it. He didn't say, hey, look at me. I'm eating off the king's table. I'm not eating off the king's table. I'm eating fruit and vegetables and water. Okay? He did it humbly. When we, when we want to change the world, let's do it humbly. Okay? Make our own choices in our own households and make it humbly. Okay? And then people will know on the outside the way you're living. Right? They knew right where Daniel stood. Honor him in small things. All right? Uh, things that we do, honor him in small things, and there is a great reward. Like I said, uh, your task in life isn't to please God, and uh, it's, it is to please God and not man. Proverbs 16, 7. I learned that with the kids when they did scripture verses a long time ago. But be consistent in what you do. Uh, James 1, 5. I'm going to close with that. Your sin's going to find you out. I hate it, but every knee's going to bow, folks. I don't care if you believe in God or not. Every knee's going to bow. You're going to have to admit that he's Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And it's what you do before he comes back is what's going to make the difference. But you have to know you're a sinner. And it's hard to admit sometimes that we're sinners. It's hard to admit that we don't have all the right answers. We are. And we need Jesus. And that's the best thing I can lead you to this morning. He's the power. He's the reason I can live life the way I live. It's because he's living in me and through me. If he's not living in you today, I pray that you make that decision at the end of the service. But there is a decision that you're going to have to make. It used to be in restaurants you picked smoking or not. He gave us the ultimate choice. You can have heaven or you can have hell. It's what you make of it. It's what you choose and how you live your life. But you have to serve them wholeheartedly. And that means with all your actions. You just can't give lip service to it. It's got to be your actions. Like I said, people want to see a sermon rather than hear one any day. Amen. Live your life. Take the Daniel challenge. Make a difference. Parents, make a difference in your kid's life. Live it out.